0: Acts chapter 8, please make your way to verse 26, that's where we begin tonight. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, I think it would be prudent by way of introduction to explain to you that there are two main things that Christ is implying here in this chapter. The first is that Christ is making a transition. In in chapters 1 through 7 you see the gospel being presented to the Jews first. And then here in chapter 8 you see that transition made to The gospel being presented to the Gentiles. But then there's also a second thing that I want you to pay attention to. And that's um, verses 26 through 40 of which we're going to dive into this evening. And in that we find a Christian leading a lost soul to Christ. And so one thing I'd like to say before I finish with my introduction is this. Whenever Christ hones in on something in Scripture... He makes sure that he gives every detail necessary to finish what he was saying. And then after he's done that, he makes a transition and he makes that clearly known. And then he goes into talking about whatever else there is in specific he wants to relay. And so just keep that in mind. Anytime that you read scripture, always know that God has a particular point he's making. And then once he's done making that, he'll make a transition into something else. And then keep this in mind as well. Everything points either to the cross Okay, or back to the cross. Okay, Charles Spurgeon said that anytime he opened the scriptures, he would always make a beeline to the cross. Because no matter where you find yourself in scripture, it's always going to point to the very thing on which everything hinges. And that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so you're always going to see that pointing to or pointing back to the cross. And so what I'd like to speak to you tonight on in Acts chapter 8 verses 26 through 40 is the effective Christian. Before we begin, allow me to open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you in the precious name of Jesus, and I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to open your word and to preach here this evening. And Lord, I'm asking that you might put your hand upon me and that you might use me as your mouthpiece to clearly give to your people what it is that you would have them hear. And Lord, I can't do this on my own, and so Lord, I just ask that you might help me. And Lord, I pray that if there is anything on the minds of your people here this evening that may distract them from what you would have them hear, I pray that you would alleviate whatever it is that's on their mind and help them to just be able to focus on what it is that you would have them hear this evening. And Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we move forward in your word. Help us to just clearly get exactly what you would have us get out of your scriptures. And it's in your name I do pray. Amen. The first thing I'd like you to see in the effective Christian is an effective Christian is one who hears and listens to the Lord. And we find that in verses 26 through 29. We begin in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And see, this is another thing that I love about the scriptures is that the Lord is very clear and precise in what he says. And he wants to point out particular things to help us understand what he is asking of Philip. If you know anything about location and geography, Jerusalem to Gaza is about a 70 mile trip. And so what God is doing is he's telling Philip that he is going to ask him to make a 70 mile trip to do something for him. He doesn't Outline in specific what it is that he's asking him to do. He just says, I want you to go and I want you to trust me. Okay? And so the first point that we see under this, okay, in that one that hears and listens to the Lord is that we are willing to go wherever he'll ask us to go, no matter what. And that we're willing to do whatever he asks us to do, no matter what. I know one thing, whenever we go out to the store or Whenever we go out to the park or wherever we're going somewhere and we come along someone's path and we know that God is clearly telling us to reach them with the gospel, we have this tendency to say, I just don't have enough time. And so we need to get out of that mindset of saying, I don't have enough time. We need to be willing to do whatever it is that God asks us to do whenever he asks us to do it and however long it takes to do that very thing. And I think that is exactly what God is trying to imply here in scripture, through uh, asking Philip to go so far to do what it was that he had asked him to do. But later on in verse 27, we read, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. And so secondly, what we see is that God had given Philip the task of reaching a man of great authority. And whenever we're asked to witness to somebody, it's already a shaky thing. We're already nervous as is, let alone being asked to witness to say maybe a politician or maybe a world leader or maybe someone of of great authority and prestige. We we almost sink back from doing that very thing. But what we find in Scripture is that Philip did not sink back from that. He steadfastly moved forward and gave to this Ethiopian eunuch the gospel. And so that's the second thing that I want to imply under this, is that we listen, we hear what God has called us to do, and we listen to it, we do it. So many Christians go to God's house and we just hear, we don't truly listen to whatever it is that God wants us to do. And the same case is true whenever we're out and about in the world. We hear God tell us that we need to do something, but we don't listen to him. And so we see Philip steadfastly listening to what he had heard the Lord tell him to do. And so that is the very first thing in the effective Christian, is that we not only hear, but we listen. If Christians were to not only hear, but listen, our churches would be filled with more people, and we would have a greater effect on this world. Because whenever God tells us to do something, we would do it. But secondly, we also see that the effective Christian is one who carries out what he has been given to do. And we find that in verses 29 through 35. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, Of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? The first thing that we see Philip doing, the first thing that God had asked Philip to do, okay he's carrying out what God had asked him to do, and that was to answer the questions that the Ethiopian eunuch had. And see, God gives us context. He says that the Ethiopian eunuch was in his chariot. He was reading Scripture, and he couldn't understand what the Scripture was saying. And he needed someone to tell him what it said. And the closest person to him that would be willing to do that very thing was Philip. And so God told Philip, I need you to go. To Gaza, I need you to go and answer the questions that this Ethiopian eunuch has so that he can come to know me and then thereafter take the gospel with him back to Ethiopia. And if you, if you don't know where Ethiopia is, if you look at Africa and you see that little horn that juts out on the side, that's where Ethiopia is located. Okay? And if you know where the Middle East is, that's a long trek. And so God was making sure that he caught this Ethiopian eunuch that had questions about scripture before he went back home, and that those, an- those questions would be answered clearly by Philip. But not only that, if you read in verse 35, you hear this. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The second thing that God had asked Philip to do was to give the eunuch the gospel. And so he effectively did both things. He heard what God had called him to do, and he listened to it. And then after he listened to it, God said, I need you to go to him. You need to answer his questions. You need to share with him the gospel. And he did that. And what I want you to pay attention to is this. He was a man of authority. Okay, He was just under the queen of Ethiopia. Think about that for one second. A man with that much authority, with that much influence on a country, having come to know Christ as his Savior... Imagine how much of a difference he can make in the lives of his people. He has an open avenue to share the gospel with the queen herself, with other people that he works with, as well as those under him. And so God heard the questions in the mind of this Ethiopian eunuch, and he sent Philip to go and to answer them and to share with him the gospel. You know how many times the Lord hears every day, hundreds of thousands of lost souls with questions on their minds of how to be saved and what this means and what I'm supposed to do. And God sends one of us along their path and we don't give to them the gospel. Philip steadfastly did that. We need to steadfastly do that. If we're to be effective Christians, these need to be things that are synonymous with who we are. Almost every time that I have ever preached, I've always tried to make it the central premise of the message and that we need to go out and to share the gospel because there are people that are going 100 miles an hour right down to hell and they pass us by every day and we have the opportunity to stop them, to share with them the gospel and to take them off of that highway and bring them onto the path that they can walk with the Lord in this life. And instead of them going to the eternal lake of fire for the rest of their life, instead of them going through life alone without Christ, we have given them that avenue through which they can come to know Christ and not only spend eternity with him, but have him with them every step of the way. That is a great thing. Why is that not something that is steadfastly on our mind? Why is that not something we're asking God every day to do? And I'm sure it is some days, but why isn't it every day? And the reason I say that is because that's something that's with me. I've gone to the store before and not even given a single thought to ask God maybe if there's someone along my path as I walk through the store that needs a question answered, that needs the gospel given to him, that he would bring him along my path. But that's something that I don't want to be the day by day. I want to ask the Lord every day that I get up, if there's someone that has a question, if there's someone that I need to give the gospel to... Bring them along my path and help me to do that very thing. okay? Because I want to be an effective Christian. I don't want to be an ineffective Christian. And if I make that transition from ineffective to effective, I want it to be more so on the effective. okay? And that's what all of us should want. We should want to be effective Christians. And thirdly, what we see tonight in the effective Christian... Is one who follows through and moves forward in what is next. So, first of all, we saw that the effective Christian is one who hears and listens to the Lord. And secondly, we see that the effective Christian is one who carries out what he has been given to do. And lastly, we see that the effective Christian is one who follows through and moves forward with Christ. And we see that in verses 36 and 40 through 40. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, "See here is water, what doth hindereth me to be baptized." And yet again, we find ourselves here, in verse 37, with God just being ever so specific, and being ever so clear, and making sure that we clearly understand the, the seriousness of making sure. That whoever we gave the gospel to truly came to know Christ as their Savior. And that's what we see Philip do. He says, whoa, 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 wait a second. You need to make sure that this is something that you've done. This needs to be something that you've given 100% to. And in, in verse 37, we read this. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The effective Christian is going to be one who is confirming that whoever we gave the gospel to truly came to know Christ as their Savior. I can't tell you how many times in door-to-door soul winning and in the bus ministry where we'd knock on a door and we'd share the gospel with someone and we'd say, oh, it's good to meet you, have a good day, bye-bye, and we'd just leave. We wouldn't stay behind and say, okay, did you truly come to know Christ? Do you truly believe what you said? We didn't sit there and make sure 100% that they truly made that confession of faith, that they truly believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And so after I came to that point when I was doing door to door soul winning, where I realized that I need to make sure 100% before I leave that door that that person has come to know Christ, I changed it. So then every time after that, at the end of me witnessing, and at the end of me leading them to Christ, I would make sure do you truly know Christ as your Savior? And that's what we need to do when we ever, whenever we lead someone to the Lord. We need to sit there and say, okay, have you truly accepted Christ? Is this just something you're doing on a whim? Is this just something that you're doing just because I'm at your door and you want to get rid of me? Or is this something that you're truly serious about? Okay, The effective Christian stays behind and makes sure of that. But not only that, we see in verse 38 something else. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. The effective Christian takes the new Christian and begins to walk them in the next steps. And that after the Ethiopian eunuch made that confession of faith, after he came to know Christ as his Savior, Philip said, Okay, now it's the next step. And the next step is this you being baptized. You showing outwardly what has changed inwardly. And that's what we need to do as Christians. Whenever we lead someone to Christ, and then after we've made sure that they've made that confession of faith, we need to say, okay, listen, I want you to come to my church. Allow me to have someone else come to you and to talk to you more about what you are to do next. That we don't just leave them alone, vulnerable to the devil, coming over and sweeping them, but that we stay with them And that we make sure 100% that they have come to know Christ and that they are following Christ thereafter. So many young babes in Christ have been sifted and been taken up by the devil because Christians haven't been faithful to stay behind and to make sure that they have been saved and then to help them as they walk with the Lord and helping them as they move forward in those next steps. And then in verse 39 we read, and when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and we went on his way rejoicing. If, if I can jump back for just one minute to, to verse 37, I'm going to reread it. And I just want to simply convey to you something. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Scripture doesn't say anything about what took place in Philip's life. But if it's anything like what I've experienced whenever I've led someone to the Lord, my heart leaps with joy that someone who is on their way to hell has come to know Christ as their Savior. Right. And I'm going to give you an example. So that way these things, this can be clearly seen to you. In the bus ministry... For about one quarter of the semester, okay, we went to door after door after door after door. Knocking and inviting and witnessing and everything else. And not a single soul came to know Christ. But then one evening when me and my friend went out, one little girl came to know Christ. And man, we were excited. We were like, this little girl has passed from death unto life. And then when I went to tell my bus captain and the other people on my bus that that little girl had come to know Christ, they said, that's good. That's great. The Bible says that the angels of heaven rejoice when a child comes to know Christ. When one person comes to know Christ as their Savior, the angels of heaven come to rejoice. When's the last time you can remember when someone was standing at the bottom of these stairs and came to know Christ as their Savior, that we all rejoiced over them coming to know Christ? When I was at Temple Baptist, okay, for the sake of doing things of decency and order, there was just a hearty Amen. There wasn't, this is awesome. Someone has come to know Christ as their Savior. They're not going to go through this life alone. They're not going to die and go to hell. They're going to have Christ with them. They're going to heaven. They're with us. There was no rejoicing. There was no excitement. There was just like, oh, that's good. We as Christians, effective Christians, should be rejoicing over a lost soul coming to know Christ. If the angels in heaven rejoice, why aren't we rejoicing? So every time someone comes to know Christ, we should rejoice that that person has gone from death unto life. What a great thing that is, that they have come to know Christ as their Savior. Imagine that, just think for a moment, the joy that filled your soul when you came to know Christ. Imagine that filling their soul when they come to know him. And oh, how that should make your heart leap. And then thereafter, on our bus that young girl witnessed to her little brother and little sister. And so they came on the bus that Sunday. It was on Saturday that she came to know Christ. Actually, Thursday, excuse me. And on Sunday morning, one of them came and tugged on me and said, hey, I need to come to know Christ. And then later on in the service, the little girl tugged on one of the teachers and said, hey, I need to come to know Christ. And so when we got back on the bus... I sat there, and the bus captain came to me, and he said, both of those siblings came to know the Lord as their Savior, just as calm as could be, as if it was just, man, that's good. And so then at the end, when we're heading back, all the kids have been dropped off. He goes on, and he tells the bus, he says, hey, guys, he says, listen. He said, you know that little girl that came to know the Lord? Her siblings came to know the Lord. And everyone's like, oh, that's good. And I sat there for a second, and I said, You've got to be kidding me. Have we lost that joy of leading someone to the Lord? Have we lost that joy of someone coming to know the Lord? And so I stood up and I said, that is awesome. Someone came to know Christ. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's good. And I was like, no, it's great. Someone has passed from death into life. And so then thereafter, every time someone would come to know Christ, everyone was like, oh, Foster's here, so we've got to get excited but then it turned into something that they really were excited about. And so then after that, you know how many kids came to know the Lord? I think it was about 10 more because they got excited about it. They were like, we're going to be effective Christians. We're going to go out. We're going to lead this child to the Lord. We're going to make sure that they come to know the Lord. We're going to walk with them in the next steps. And then we're going to rejoice when they come to know him. And that joy that overfills their soul just kept bubbling up and bubbling up, and then it became a burning in their bones, just as Nehemiah said. And they kept going after it and after it and after it until another and another and another came to know Christ. And as far as I know since I've been gone, that bus went from 23 kids to being jam-packed because the joy of a lost soul coming to know Christ filled every single one of them and it burned as if it was in their bones to continue to do that very thing. And then lastly, in verse 40, we read this. But Philip was found at Astus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. The effective Christian is one who follows through and moves forward with what is next. And here we see that the effective Christian is one who continues to do the same thing that God had asked them to do. And that's what Philip did. As soon as he had completed the task that God had given him in giving the gospel to that Ethiopian eunuch, as soon as he was done solidifying that he came to know Christ, walking with him in that next step that he needed to be there for, God took him. And pop them up to the next place where it needed him. And that's what God will do with us. If we are effective Christians, then we'll be looking for opportunity after opportunity to share the gospel. To follow through with them. And then to move on to the next thing that God has called us to do. And, And I don't mean this message... To be anything of a discouragement, but rather an encouragement of what you should want as a Christian. You should want to be an effective Christian. You should want these things to be synonymous with you. When someone looks at you, they should be able to read this account in Scripture and say, huh, that person's just like Philip. He's an effective Christian. She's an effective Christian. They're seeking, they're looking, they're searching, they're trying to get as many as they can. To Christ. And so these three things are all parts of the effective Christian. One who hears and listens to the Lord. One who carries out what he has been given to do. And then one who follows through and moves forward with what is next. In history class, the young people um, that I've had the privilege of being able to teach, we've learned that there's the cycle that people go through. And that they're strong men, and they create weak times, and those weak times create, I mean, those strong men create hard times. I mean, good times, excuse me. <laughs> and those good times create weak men, and those weak men create hard times, and those hard times create strong men. And you just see this constant cycle that goes over and over again. But then another thing, another, another cycle that, that I've tried to attach with that is the same cycle that we see in the book of Judges. Okay, And that God's people follow him, and they begin to lose their way. And then there's a consequence for their sin. And then they circle back and they come back to God, and they continue in that cycle. And so what I've tried to do is I've tried to take those two things and show them that those two things go hand in hand. And then I also try to convey to them this point, that in history there have been those that have decided it's time to break the cycle for a time. And so with everything in their being, they became effective Christians And they changed that cycle. Rather than those good times creating weak men, they steadfastly reached into God's word and equipped themselves with everything they needed to be able to clearly um, present the gospel. They reached into Scripture and gathered everything they needed to stand in the face of the devil himself and to push forward with the Lord. They dug into Scripture and got every principle, every method, every means that they needed and attached it to themselves and move forward with Christ, and therefore making themselves, rather than weak and ineffective Christians, strong, effective Christians. And so from that, you see that breaking of the cycle for a time. And we see that in history time and time again. And the closest that we can look to would be the great revivals that happened here in America. And I told them, I said, what if you began to do that very same thing? began to break that cycle that America is about to go into again. I said, if you young people were to do that very thing, you would encourage people that are my age and older people to be more steadfastly at it. Because what they would see in you is something they would want in themselves. And so what I'm trying to say to you tonight is that what we see in Philip in Acts chapter 8 is something that we should want to see in ourselves. And if that is something that we can say 100% is us, then we can break that cycle for a time. And I told them this. I said, wouldn't it be great with, with how many times we hear in today's world that the Lord is going to return, that his, his return is imminent. It's right around the corner. If that's true, wouldn't it be something else? If we could get America back on track, if we could get God's people effectively doing what he's called us to do and hundreds of thousands of souls coming to know Christ and then God returns. Would that not be a great yield? Would that not be us as laborers being effective in the fields that God has called us to and bringing the lost to him? Would that not be something that we could break that cycle and we could literally go right into going up into heaven with hundreds of thousands of more converts by our side? That is all going to come from being an effective Christian. So let me say this as a takeaway. If you feel as if you're not being an effective Christian, then I would encourage you to make a decision to be like Philip. Call out to God this evening and seek to be someone who seeks to share the gospel with both Jew and Gentile, whether they be small or great. Seek to share the gospel with anyone and everyone that God brings along your path. And remember this, if I can, if I can get you to remember one thing, if there's one thing I can keep in your minds, Every morning that you wake up, ask God to help you to be an effective Christian and to do whatever he needs to do to get you there and whatever it is he needs to do to keep you there. And you can, day in and day out, from this day forward, be an effective Christian. And just as we all have a sin nature, there's going to be days where we're going to fall and we're not going to be very effective. Okay, But the point is this, that you're trying with all you can to be an effective Christian. You're trying with all you can to do what God has called you to do.